Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Matt. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to look at the history of history and the changes inside. And of course, the stuff they don't want you to know. Matt, I started out when we were working on this podcast beforehand, I started out wanting to have a quotation about history. We've mentioned the Faulkner quotation ad nauseum. Uh, you know, Bob Dylan said the times they are changing, and that's a pretty good one uh, because as we're going to see, history changes uh, as often as the present, apparently. That's correct. Um, but out of all those quotations, um, I decided that one of the best things that I could do at least is just start off with the most basic thing, a definition of history. History, the study of past events, usually human events, right? Yeah. That's what we usually mean. And the branch of knowledge dealing with this, um, people being an inherently self-interested species have always been interested in the past, the stories about ourselves. Yeah, we're storytellers because mm-hmm. we're the only animals that record in any way the things that happened previously to us. Yeah, well, we're the only ones proven to do so, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. So. Um, because, you know, as we find the first 
histories mm-hmm. were oral histories, right? The just told. I would if I was a person way back in the day and something really interesting happened to me involving a caribou and uh, a broken spear or something, right. I would want to express that to my friends because I thought it was a really fun and cool thing that happened. Mm-hmm. So I just tell them. Or, yeah, or there could also be a song, and in that song, someone has the lineage uh, from which they derive, you know? Oh, yeah, or tale of gods and creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of these things were mythical, right? Uh, they were instructional things of one way or another. In some cases, very, very old histories contain uh values of a culture right Mm -hmm. and history often back at this point in time when it was oral tradition was one gigantic game of telephone now for our younger listeners let's go ahead and say what the game of telephone is okay so the game of telephone would be if there are a bunch of us sitting in a circle and we started with let's say myself Mm -hmm. i told a small story maybe even just a sentence or two yeah and then I would whisper it in the ear of the person to my, let's say, left. Mm-hmm. And then that would continue around until it got back to me yeah. or per- perhaps a person sitting to my right. Uh-huh. And then whatever that person, they would have to recite whatever it is that they heard. And the change that occurs as it goes around the circle, that is the game of telephone. Right. Yeah. Nobody really wins the game of telephone. Often, too, I suspected that there were people throwing a wrench in there and purposefully saying something completely different. We're trying to make it dirty. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it weird that we just explained telephone and there might actually be someone listening that had never heard of that before? Uh, you know, I bet it could happen, but I want to be honest. I was one of those guys who would, you know, when I was in first or second grade, I would totally switch up the, the, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then look to my left and right when, when they revealed the wrong message. Classic bowling. I learned a lot. I become a a little bit of a better person, (laughs) but the game of, (laughs) the game of telephone is, um, instructive. It's a good framework for us to look at the history of history, as you said, right? So uh one thing that became known as the first critical work of history that was written down was called, in a burst of creativity, The Histories. It was by this, uh, this cat named Herodotus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, here's the thing. It's full of errors, right? But it's, yeah. it's better than nothing. And this whole thing about stories being full of errors, rife with, exaggerations, outright fabrications and everything, that was the rule instead of the exception for a very, 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 very long time. Well, yeah, the the people writing these histories were a lot of time very closely knit to the power structures mm-hmm. at, at the time, no matter what kind of power structure you have. So right. there's a lot of times an attempt to make that guy or that group look maybe a little better than... They, yeah. they actually were. Or, or a little bit, uh, worse. So. Exactly. That's why, that's why we get all these strange outlandish stories that seem to make no sense at the time, right? Uh, for instance, the old canard that Napoleon was a really short dude. No, there were slightly different measuring systems, but also it was a little bit of propaganda. Yeah, he's fairly short, but. You know, it's like within average height for that time. Um, or the lurid tales, semi pornographic tales that some, um, European writers would spin about the new world. And they would say, Oh yeah. Hey, ladies love me. 
in South America, which isn't really true because as we know, they were, they were not there to, uh, they were not there to be friendly. So yeah, so, so basically a lot of times we think of history as just this, this known thing that occurred or known set of things that occurred. And that's just how it is. That's what happened on that date. Now we know, but it, we, we find more and more that it's more of this weird amorphous conversation of, of events that Mm. just continues Mm -hmm. and you can, History gets changed past long, long ago. Past history gets changed all the time, even now. Yeah, like that thing that's happened recently about whether the Brontosaurus is a dinosaur. Ooh, oh, yeah, that's a tough one for that's me. A touchy man. one. I know, man. I know. But uh, but I love that. I love that you make that comparison because yeah, different voices constantly interrupting each other and anything. No, well, not anything, but virtually anything could be up for grabs if evidence that contradicts our accepted view comes in and this is not by any means a new thing and it's not by any means an outdated practice listeners i assure you regardless of what country you are in your country's history textbooks are in in disagreement with at least several other countries' textbooks. That's not, that's just the nature of the world. North Korea's account of the Korean War is going to be way, way different, oh, yeah. uh, in comparison to even the Republic of Korea or the United States, of course. Uh, especially if you yeah. look at big events like wars, like World mm-hmm. War II, sure. the, the differences in my God, uh, you were, you were saying something a while ago about Japan and China. Oh, yeah. We had an earlier conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, their accounts of World War II are hugely different. Right. And create political tensions today or used as an outlet for political tensions. Of course, it's no surprise to anyone that Middle Eastern textbooks, uh, disagree on quite a few things. And I don't mean just the status of uh, countries like Israel or the, the role of the Europe or the United States in colonization and, uh, overthrowing governments, but also, uh, religious matters, Shia, mm-hmm. Sunni, and so on. Uh, well, I, yeah. I don't have the means currently to read textbooks, um, that are written in Arabic uh-huh. or anything, but I'd love to see the, I guess, the history of the Crusades in that time. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see what the other what the other side of that story says. Yeah, and uh, Russian uh, textbooks also would have a difference in comparison to the rest of Europe. So so even now, even now, what we're saying is that historians across the world or countries across the world don't agree with each other about what actually happened and why we are where we are today. This leads us to the evolution of historical studies, uh, or the big question, is this revisionist history we're talking about, or is it pseudo-history? Right? Pseudo-history. Is that is that completely made up? Is that what pseudo is re- implying? Well, it's a, uh, yeah, pseudo is implying that it is history, that it's a tall tale disguised as history made by people with an agenda or with a pre-existing conclusion, right? All right. So we saw pseudo, we've seen pseudo history, uh, maybe one of the easiest examples, which we've used before is in the early 
European explorers of the African continent when they would say, oh, well, here's the ruins of this great empire. I guess, obviously, there were some white people living here at some point. Oh, yes. Which is, which just shows that even if it flies in the face of all evidence, some people will never sacrifice their pet theory for the facts. But then the idea of revisionist history is a little bit different. Let's get into that. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. All right, we've kind of talked about the history of changing history already. Right, yeah. Um, but it really goes back to the, to these ancient Greek and Roman scholars. You're looking at Plutarch and uh, Tacitus. And 
really people been editing history again it's kind of what we've been talking about but mm-hmm. but modern historical revision this thing that we call historical revision that didn't originate until the 20th century and really it was after the first major global military conflict so uh World War One, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So that's when there were multiple groups who wanted history to reflect a certain, you know, uh, story. Right. Yeah. This is where we start dealing with something you'll hear about often in PR propaganda today, and that's the concept of narrative. So how would we depict this conflict uh, decades later, right, mm-hmm. for the children of the survivors? How did countries become involved in the war, contribute to it? Um, as they were starting to twiddle their fingers at the fringes of this Gordian knot, historians realized that it was impossible to be objective because even deciding what you should leave out or put in becomes itself inherently subjective, right? Oh, yeah. So we know that historical revisionism has to occur because a researcher can find a glaring inconsistency or something that's totally wrong because let us not forget that for centuries people were writing pretty much fictitious stuff and it was quoted as fact. So, uh, for instance, we mention a lot of things about U.S. history that are often misunderstood. Um, here's one, you know, George Washington Cherry Tree. Pretty hard concrete data that he did not Chop down a cherry tree and say you couldn't tell a lie. It's a fun story. It's a little bit weird that it's about, it's a, it's a lie about a guy being honest. You know? It's, yeah. It's, it seems legendary. Yeah. That's a nice little Matroshka doll, right? Yeah. But, well, um, so, okay. Yeah. So here's the biggest thing for me. Mm. History is, it's just complicated. It's super complicated because everybody's identity is connected up to their history. Back to our oral history days, right? It, exactly. And, you know, nobody wants to look re- terrible. You, everyone has a reputation and that goes, that goes out to, from the individual person to a group of people to an entire state and the way you feel about this group or state that you're a part of. Yeah. And nobody wants to be made a fool or look bad or look like the evil bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, because of this, it can be tough to navigate things. Going back to our example about China and Japan, uh, the the huge argument about comfort women, right? You remember that oh, one? Oh yeah, yeah. And that is uh, that deals with the um, horrendous activities of the Japanese Imperial Army during its invasion occupation of Manchuria and other parts of China. Now. Are we saying that those were bad guys? Yeah, totally. Are we saying that there were good guys in war? No, I don't know if you can. No, not really. I don't know if you can say they're, they're, um, clear cut good guys or good entities in a war. But what we can say is that even now, the status of what happened to these women is a very hot button issue. And in, um, Japan, some politicians leverage this. You could say they're cynical or you could say they really believe it, uh, but they leverage this because they don't want it to be a, um, a loss of face for the army or humiliating for the people that are regarded often as heroes. You know what I mean? So you have to be very careful how you look at that. And historical revisionism usually does a couple of different things. Um, or it has, I guess, lenses we could think about, okay. right? 
So it has a social or theoretical perspective to re-examine the past through a different framework. So Howard Zinn's uh, People's History of the United States. Awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, people, one of the criticisms I've heard before is that Howard Zinn has an agenda, to which my answer is, duh. <laughs> he clearly has an agenda, right? There's also a fact-checking perspective mm-hmm. that that you can take to try and make corrections on some of the errors that have been laid into history. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then there's also, uh, going back to that negative perspective, and it's the people who say, hey, it's not broke. Don't fix it. Why are you digging into all these records about, uh, you know, Unit 731 or whatever? Why do you, why do you care, uh, what the United States may or may not have done with Nazi scientists after the war? Uh, why are you trying to push your, I don't know what it would be in that case, your anti-Nazi agenda? <laughs> Um, your, you know, your anti-Catholic agenda, if you say that they had rat lines helping people escape. That is so, a, that's an interesting perspective to me. The idea of going back through another country's history to try and dig up dirt on them. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't often think about that unless I'm thinking of from a spy perspective or an sure. intelligence perspective. Well, there's, it's great that you say that because the historical revisionism or the, um, the attempts to change the past through per, Purgation that occur in things like 1984 or in some instances in the days of the USSR. These are things that can really happen and can intentionally occur. Now, 1984, of course, is fiction, uh, but recently, uh, an event in China, the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square, yeah. um, incident showed us that historical revisionism in the negative sense, is alive and well. And in our video, uh, one of our videos recently, you did that Orwell quote, the, that he who controls the present controls the past. Who controls the past controls the future. And it's scary because that's true. Funny story. Well, okay, so to sew that up, those are three uh, ways in which historical revisionists can approach existing history, mm-hmm. right? Historians like to refer to the years immediately after World War II as the age of historical consensus because people were trying to build this concept, this meme of a unified America, stronger, number one superpower, get at me, bro, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Didn't last long. It lasted until about the 60s. Yep. And then people started reading, maybe? No? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you exactly what happened to change that. I think that part of it would be counterculture movements and then also uh, the struggle for equality in the United States really gave lie to some of the more rose-tinted glass kind of stuff. And sometimes, though, revisionist history does deserve its negative connotation, right? Well, yeah, well, (laughs) yes, because... Well, it's associated with highly contentious things. So one of the biggest examples would be Holocaust denialism. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we don't just mean, I, I, at least I don't just mean, uh, denial of a Holocaust in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, the, the German Holocaust is often the one that people think of, but also the Armenian Holocaust. Oh, yeah, the genocide. Which is, yeah, which is still a, uh, subject of intense, 
revisionism between Armenia and Turkey today. Oh, yeah. And you'll have people on either side of that believe wholeheartedly that mm. they're correct and the oh, other yeah. side is just lying. Right. And it's, it, it's a, those are both two really tough subjects that I hopefully we're not going to be touching on too much. Uh, uh, too soon. Right. Yeah. And also, um, well, there's another example, right? All the way across the world. We could just go back to Japan. Uh, and the idea that Japan was bullied into Pearl Harbor by the United States and did the combat as a defensive measure that was forced to do this by, you know, progressively more, uh, prohibitive trade sanctions mm-hmm. or embargoes. Right. And now it's time, Matt for us to do one of my favorite parts of the show. Let's get weird with it. Noel, could we have some music? Here's where it gets crazy. Historical revisionism, the way we're talking about it right now, which is very PC and very reasonable and very Fox Mulder, you know, I just mm-hmm. want to find the truth, right? But there are people who want to revise the concept of history, or the human story, so much so that they think we have gotten entire centuries wrong, as in made them up. Yes, the phantom time hypothesis. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, 
So does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. It's the idea that our timeline has some holes in it that were filled in historically just with some junk that wasn't true, some ideas, some stories. The idea that the ruling class made some changes ah. to make us think that we're in a different year calendar year at least than we actually are psych your mind that's right people <laughs> used to say that once upon a time yeah the, it's it's strange because you know as you said it's a group of theories uh this french jesuit named jean Houdin, or i'm totally mispronouncing that by the way uh he started he's the one who really dropped the beat on this first um he believed that art and literature from ancient Greece and Rome were all forgeries in the 13th century. Wow. And a lot of the stuff that we think happened in Greece, in Rome, in those empires, never occurred. And other people believed him. That's right. Uh, a Russian mathematician named Anatoly Fomenko, mm-hmm. uh, he, he in the 1980s, he really thought there was something to this. Mm-hmm. So this guy, Fomenko, he used, uh, he used this thing, statistical analysis, mm-hmm. to look at texts and mathematical ideas and even, even, uh, he's looking at astronomy, mm-hmm. uh, astronomical observations of the time. And he basically showed <laughs> that this guy wasn't very far off and that perhaps the Jesuits had kind of forged up some of this stuff. Yeah, uh, but not just European history, right? Oh, no, no. You're looking at, uh, Greek history, Roman history, Chinese, Arabic, even Egyptian history. They just made it up. That's, well, again, that's what this guy is saying. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not accusing you of saying. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's, there's even another one, Ben. Oh yeah. The more specific phantom time claim that, that you and I talk about in our original episode, uh, phantom time where, oh, I got a, I got one thing wrong and this is my bad. I want to, I'll annotate the video on this, but it's something I got wrong that everyone should know about. Uh, I say in there that North Korea counts their years from the foundation of their country. Mm-hmm. That's not true. They count it from, uh, the birthday of Kim Il-sung. Oh. So that's a slight correction that I'll annotate, but you know, as always, we welcome corrections and we're really glad whenever we get an opportunity to make the show better. So this more specific phantom time claim that we mentioned in our video is it comes from two Germans, uh, Herbert Illig and Hans Ulrich Niemitz. They think our current calendar was filled with almost 300 years of utter, total, absolute, Matt, help me out here. Bullshit. Right. And, uh, they think that the Catholic church did this, uh, for, for different reasons. And, and when it was 2000 and, 12, they thought it was 1715, so we're recording in 2014, which means right now they think it is 
2000, or they think it is 1717. And don't forget, that's just going by the Gregorian calendar. Right, yeah, the Gregorian calendar, one of, uh, one of the many calendars that the people of the world use, right? That's uh, right. It keeps us on track relatively well. Um, it was adopted in 1582, uh, because primarily because the church wanted to keep Easter in the right place. Well, yeah, that's one of the most important dates. Uh, his, Easter, right? That, mm-hmm. if you don't have that right, then what the heck do you have right? Right. And previously, uh, the church had been using what was called the Julian calendar system. And during this time, Easter had, Drifted for 10 days, right? Mm-hmm. The Julian system was simpler. It had a leap year every four years. It was also less accurate. The guy who ordered this, this is interesting because this really is a little bit of phantom time, right? Mm-hmm. The guy who ordered this, Pope Gregory the 13th, um, one day on October 4th, 1582, they instead of going to October 5th, they went straight to October 15th, 1582. <laughs> People went Crazy, dude. People were not <laughs> happy. It felt like the Pope was stealing days from their lives, literally. Well, you know, some of their concert tickets couldn't be refunded. I mm-hmm. mean, it was just bad. The eggs went bad yeah. almost immediately. I mean, the plague doctor's supposed to show up on the 9th. Good luck. Guess this next year. But um all jokes aside, all yeah. jokes aside, this was something that really upset a lot of people. Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, we practice daylight saving time in many parts of the world, and the it's still kind of weird when you feel like you gained or lost an hour just because this system of measurement we use has changed slightly. So anyway, Illig, right? Yeah. So he's as he's looking back over these fifteen hundred and eighty-two years, he's he's counting up the leap years, right? Mm-hmm. And he basically realizes that the ten-day error that they thought existed was actually too small, and it appears to be a 13-day error. And he said there's only one possible explanation. The only possible explanation is that the Pope somehow faked three full centuries. Almost full centuries. Of recorded history, huh? Yeah. Classic Pope. Classic Pope move, am I right? Oh, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't, <laughs> I'm not accusing the Pope of being some sort of Dr. Whovian time thief. Uh, but both of these camps, these two camps of phantom timers that we've mentioned, they're not by any means the entire uh, group of fringe theories about this, but they have some things in common when it comes to their claims. So they claim that there's a lack of archaeological and documentary evidence from centuries in the first millennium. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, they say, you know, these relics and artifacts and this corroborating evidence is rare or doesn't exist because the centuries never happened, but um, this is often explained by saying there wasn't very much construction or literature at the time. Uh, one yeah, because of the yeah. Dark Ages. Right, yeah, right. Which I think is already kind of calling something the Dark Ages. It's a little bit of a sweeping generalization. Yeah. But uh, they also say that um, Charlemagne was made up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not not really sure about that. So what what's the idea they they made him up to or the church made up Charlemagne right in order to support the existence of that century. Like that that's the whole reason that Charlemagne as a character existed. Yeah, and a lot of evidence from the time that does remain is uh you know in some way related to Charlemagne. So How fascinating would it be if that was true? <laughs> 
If that was true, I would love it. There's a, there's a book. I can't remember the author's name. Maybe Octavio Paz. No, I'm getting it wrong, but he wrote a book named, uh, the same, the same guy who wrote Foucault's Pendulum wrote a book called Bottolino, which is about this, this guy who works with his friends to completely BS parts of history. Well, you know, and they're, they're making up different, uh, this is not a spoiler. One of the things they do very often is they make fake relics of saints. Nice. And, uh, Bot- Botolino? Botolino, like Bod- body. Yep. Botolino. Okay. Um, but it's a good read for anyone who wants to see a, a fairly tongue in cheek look at, uh, how people treated history and accuracy. Uh, so the, the problem with that kind of stuff is they're saying that the absence of evidence is proof, right? Yes. Uh, a lot of the mo- most of, the world's other historians dismiss this because they say, well, what about radiometric data? What about dendrochronology? Yeah, dendrochronology is the study of rings on a tree to find the age, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's fairly simple. You probably did it as a student somewhere or maybe in some kind of scouting troop. Yeah, you count the rings and that gives you the age. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's fairly reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, trees grow in a certain way. It can also show you when uh, a big event happened, yep. and the more sophisticated your analysis can be, the more you can learn about the world around that tree at the time it was alive. So then this guy, Fomenko, mm-hmm. he he completely rejects the radiocarbon dating that was used. Um, kind of, <laughs> he's pointing out, it's the same thing that young Earth creationists point out. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. All right. So the people who believe that the Earth is only six thousand or so years old, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know where, where else to go here, Ben. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to offend anybody. Sure. But, I, but my personal belief is that um, that the Earth is billions of years old. Yeah. Understood. Well, we, the reason that they use a similar method of disagreement here, the creationist Dan Fomenko, is that specific radiometric dating um, is only approximate right mm-hmm. uh, and 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 it's only it only really works for items that have a certain age threshold because the isotopes that are measured are um they need to be in certain proportions so there has to be a, there's a sweet spot for radiometric dating right so Fomenko takes it a step even further ben and he's alleging that there's purposeful conspiring going on between these guys who are doing the the dating Mm-hmm. And the people who want to have a different story or want to perpetuate the idea. The archaeological powers that be, right? Yes. Working in concert with the Pope. Um, also, this is not to mention the other things. Uh, Fomenko does address point by point many of the prevailing rebuttals of his argument, right? Mm-hmm. Or the proof that time as we know it exists in the chronology in which we know. His idea uh, is something called the new chronology, and this goes back to pseudo-history. A lot of people tell you it's pseudo-history, but he he also mentions that the astronomy doesn't add up for him. He has, he has all these reasons. People say he's cherry-picking data. Um, however, the truth is, ultimately, this kind of stuff can't exactly be disproven. Mm-hmm. because of the nature of the way the argument is constructed. And we should mention that Anatoly Fomenko is uh, crazy popular 
especially in Russia. He's published and sold over one million copies of his books. Um, other people have joined in on the Internet and trying to help him. Uh, so critics say that his version of history has this sort of nationalist Russian agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And people people like to read it because history, as you said earlier, being bound into one's identity makes you feel better about yourself. Oh, right? yeah, so, definitely. So Gary oh. Kasparov also likes Fomenko. Yeah, you might remember that name. He was a world chess champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple other people, but uh, we don't have to go into all that. Um, well, we should we should mention that one of yeah. the things about the Dark Ages. Oh, okay, all right. It's just that. So we say that we often say, or we've heard that the Dark Ages were a time in which culture uh, just dropped off, right? Mm-hmm. Plagues left and right. And People just had to deal with what was right in front of them and trying to eat. Yeah. I don't have time to make a tapestry. You know what I mean? That's the idea. Um, and so Fomenko and people who support him, like Kasparov, believe that this stuff, um, that that's sort of a yellow flag about the missing time, the phantom time, because, of course, nothing happened because those centuries didn't happen. Or in their view, I guess, maybe there's nothing recorded at that time because it all got burned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. But at this point, with, with all these, with all these things together, you and I have had, uh, a heck of a time looking at history at large. You know, we also talked about the theories regarding the Sphinx, which we unfortunately don't have time to get into today. I think it's its own podcast. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, definitely. I think ancient Egypt and just the archaeology of Egypt is a mm-hmm. whole series, maybe. And I want to be completely fair and point out this. Um, first off, Matt, while I'm not convinced by Illig's arguments and Fomenko's arguments, I am entirely certain that within our lifetimes, we are going to, we being human beings, maybe you and I, maybe you listeners, uh, we will discover something that completely blows our current understanding of human history out of the water. We found fossils of humans and near humans that sound like total mythological claptrap when you when you mention it earlier. You know, we found real life hobbits, dude. They're yeah. real. We found other versions of early man. We have found human civilizations thousands and thousands of years older than we ever thought possible. So I think we're gonna discover more and more stuff. I, I don't know if you can suppress it. I don't know how you would. Especially with the internet, if we can keep that open and free, <clears throat> FCC. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that, my question is how, how will historical revisionism work in the future when there are so many different points of, uh, maintaining track of the history of what, of current events of what's going right. on? Yeah. How is somebody going to go through and change all of that? And is mm. it even possible now? Maybe if it's, Mm, that's a very good question. I don't know. You, you know, you and I have talked a lot about that, the, the ways in which the ease of information is changing the human experience. Um, oh, uh, you know, I'm yeah. sorry to go back on the yeah. SEC thing and net neutrality, but if, if only certain websites are able to be reached at certain speeds, 
Yeah. And then all of the other ones that may be considered fringe or not as trafficked or don't at least don't have enough money mm-hmm. to uh, get into the Usain Bolt lane. Um, <laughs> in, in, okay, so then all you'd have to do is control the information that is inside the fast lane. Right. That's true. So well, I, I don't know. That may, That's just something I was thinking about yesterday. That's a really good point because – I don't think it would be sustainable. This might be some, a story for another day. I don't, I don't know if it's sustainable to perpetrate that sort of inequality. Cause what we're talking about then is an inequality of information, a segregation of information, to be honest. And I'm not, I know that those could be loaded words for some people, but that's what it is. It's kind of information apartheid. And, and is it maybe not that the goal? Um, I think the goal ultimately is going to be an opportunity to profit. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's necessarily in cities thing, but what do That's I know? That's something they would say, Ben. Is, is it, yeah. As somebody, as somebody has said before, maybe <laughs> you and I are secretly agents, right? I promise um, we're not. If we are, we're so undercover that we don't know we're agents. <laughs> we're Manchurian candidates. Oh, God. Or maybe we're like Manchurian interns. That's it. So one line from Skeptoid that I thought was interesting is that uh, the author said, these phantom time hypotheses cannot be disproven because any evidence offered to show that they're wrong is simply called fake or unreliable. No evidence, it seems, no matter how well supported, is good enough. And that's where I want to pass the question on to our listeners. Do you think that the current human understanding of history is right, wrong, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being perfect? You know, where where are we at? Where do we fall? How do we get closer to 10? That's really great, Ben. If you have any ideas, uh, send them to us at Facebook. We are Conspiracy Stuff there. We're also at Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter. We would love to hear from you, what you have to say and what you think, because honestly, we don't quite know how we feel exactly. We'd love to share some thoughts with you. Check out StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com. You can write Facebook messages to us there. And lastly, go ahead and uh, send us an email if you want to. Our address is conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit testtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.